Welcome to the Vibe Lifter podcast. I'm Tish, one of the Reglan Food co-founders, and I'm here to help lift your vibe with inspiring stories from people out in their local communities doing good mahi. So settle in and let's meet our guest of the day. Today, we're chatting with Vaughn Ferguson, founder of Vend, tech entrepreneur and educator, and guy with an infamous mustache who is behind the Institute of Awesome here in Rags. Kia ora, Vaughn, and welcome to the Raglan Food Co Factory. Tēnā Thank you for having me along. I'm honoured. Honoured. Uh, of course. I have to ask, did you arrive here on your electric motorbike? Because I didn't hear you coming into the car park. <laughs> no, I was I was going to, but I've got to do a grocery run on the way home. Ah, so yes. I'm driving the petrol guzzling Jeep today. Uh, it happens. It does. The motorbike's pretty cool, though. I've seen you cruising around on that. It kind of makes up for it, and it's solar powered as well. Ah, yeah. so you're just charging it at home on the yeah. panels. Yeah, we've got panels at our place and we're completely off-grid, so technically it's a solar-powered motorbike. Nice. That is cool. Wheels powered by the sun. So you are a man of many hats or maybe many funky shirts is more accurate. I've seen you quite a few funky shirts. Um, can you give us the quick five-minute backstory of Vaughn and Vend, um, maybe before we move on to some of your newer projects? Five-minute backstory. I guess the most significant thing I've been occupied with over the last 15 years has been a company I founded in 2010, which was Vend. We sold that business a couple of years ago. Yeah. And are very, very grateful for that exit. Yes. And that's afforded us the ability to spend a bit more time on the other, which is probably actually the bigger project, which is mm. the charitable foundation we founded 10 years ago. Mm. This is going to be our 10th anniversary, the Pam Ferguson Charitable Trust. Wow, 10 years this mm. year. Yeah, cool. it's gone by pretty quick. But what is Vend, just for people who don't know about it? Sure, I, already yeah. was, mm-hmm. I know the backstory, but for those who don't. Yeah, Vend was is a software company we we kind of pioneered the using the cloud when we started vend mm. the cloud wasn't really a term people used their people were internet was for fun and we pioneered using the internet to run a bricks and mortar retail business so everything from your point of sale to your back office to your inventory to your e-commerce everything was run on the cloud mm. um and yeah, we were like the first really in the world to do it. And in the world? Yeah. Out yeah. of New Zealand? Out of awesome New Zealand, yeah. That is cool. And uh, it was one of those good timing things. And then the iPad came along and then we were the first point of sale on the iPad. Now, now you walk into oh. cafes and stores all around the world and they use the, the iPad for their point of sale. And we pioneered that. Mm. Yeah, then fast forward, employed hundreds and hundreds of people and you know, offices in five different countries around the world. It was wow. such an amazing ride to build a technology business out of New Zealand. And, you know, the reason why I did it was because, just because it was like to prove that you could build a global technology company from mm. New Zealand. You know, it had its ups and downs. Um, yeah, all businesses do. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. I, th- I think a lot of people gloss over in the stories is it tends to be focusing on all the all the good things, the things that went well. Mm. But um Definitely had a lot of things that didn't go so well. But yeah, I was very grateful, kind of sad as well to sell the business probably three years ago now. Yeah. Very sad. Well, it's a massive life stage, right? I mean, you'd have so many memories and you'd know so so many many people. people. Yeah. Mm. And just having that as the guiding thing every day, you wake up and it's like, yeah, well, today, same mission as yesterday, changing the world for retail. And then to suddenly wake up one day and it's like, oh, 
what is my new mission? I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> is that good? I think it's good. Should I be playing golf? I don't know. <laughs> have you started playing golf? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I don't know if you need to. Like <laughs> <No. laughs> come later. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. And so were you were you kind of flying all around all these different offices, you know, at its sort of it was, peak? It was, yeah. At its peak, I was, I guess, unfortunately, this is a stereotype that we're trying to change is, you know, the startup guy who was putting in eighteen to twenty hour days and mm. seven days a week. Sleeping like, in the office and yeah. well, yeah. I never did that. Oh, okay, but, well. <laughs> but you know um, You had some balance at least. Yeah, exactly. Globe trotting and, and all that sort of thing. And it was super fun, you know, because of the culture we had at the business. It was always fun. Even if you turned up in Berlin or mm. Toronto and you were jet lagged, you go into the office and there's people who you know you care for and they are all working really hard on the business. Yeah. Um so it made it all worthwhile. So that was, you know, I wouldn't change that for the world. But I guess that's one of the things I've reflected on post-exit is would I do all that again? Mm. And Because and, it's quite taxing. It cost me my first marriage. Mm. I didn't get to see my kids a lot. Yeah. Personal health suffered. And these are the things. And, and I'm not unique in that. This is, it's a common as story. You know, oh, it's yes. pretty hard being in the entrepreneurial space where you're doing something that's literally never been done before mm-hmm. and it's a lot of hard work and so now you know Zoe and I are now thinking about how we can make that journey easier for others yes. in, in the ecosystem um, so you don't have to do these heroic things anymore you can actually have a lifestyle yeah and and do something and build an amazing about. world-changing business or initiative or project yeah yeah that's quite heartening it's yeah it's been kind of glorified I think that idea of this crazy all hours entrepreneur person. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's unsustainable. Oh, it's completely unsustainable. And it's, a, and it's a myth. I mean, there's times where you absolutely have to put in the mahi to solve a really challenging problem that you're trying to yeah. trying to solve, but you just can't do it all the time. No, the human is not designed for such things. No. You know, I used to describe it as my unbalanced portfolio of things. <laughs> And yep. I would try and like do, you know, running, like I used to do my impossible challenges every year. Where oh. I'd, oh, yes. You've told me about this. Yeah. You pick something really out there and Just go for yeah, a day. Something that I've, I figured there's no way I could do it. So I've done things like I ran a thousand kilometers and then I cycled around the world, got a, a paid gig in front of a hundred people singing. Singing? Yeah. Can you sing? No. Oh. <laughs> Extra Sucks to be the, one of those hundred people who <laughs> yeah, went along to the gig. And they paid for that too. <laughs> and they paid for, the, paid for it as well. And so, yeah, every year I try and find something that's hard. And I found that was probably the a thing that saved me, I, I think, through that entrepreneurial journey was because I used that as a bit of a counterbalance, like mm. the running, because then I felt compelled that I had to do something physical and at least be in reasonably good shape. There's some fun around it too and a bit of, yeah, something unique. Makes you less one-dimensional. Yeah. And so you're not so boring at, <laughs> at the barbecues. When <laughs> There's something you're else to about talk about. It's your business. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like the ethos of that. It's a cool idea, the impossible challenge. Yeah. Tell me a bit about the New Zealand High Tech Awards. I know you've been quite involved with that trust and their mahi. Yeah, I can't think of how long I've been involved with the High Tech Awards. I guess my first exposure to the High Tech Awards was as an entrant. Oh, yeah, of course. Event, and we won a number of awards at the High Tech Awards. And um, then they recruited you for the cause. Yeah, and then... I was a trustee and vice chair of the High Tech Awards for a few years. Mm-hmm. The High Tech Awards celebrates, well, what we call, well, back then we called it high tech, but it was like 
just tech. It's tech. And actually, mm. it's not even tech anymore. It's just business because, like, every business mm. has technology in some shape or form. True. But, yeah, celebrating all the amazing companies and initiatives in New Zealand, people doing world-class stuff, like really amazing mm. things, like the Venn story, you know, yeah. from the bottom of the Pacific. We've got a few of those stories now. And there is. There's... I couldn't even list them. I don't know if anybody could actually list them because one of the things we really suck at is promotion. Tell, exactly, telling, <laughs> talking about ourselves and, and telling our stories. So that's something that we wanted to change at the High Tech Trust is obviously through the awards is one way of telling people's story is by celebrating them, but also looking at ways that we can just tell people's stories. So it's not all about an awards ceremony. It's it's all the time. People yeah. are talking about the, the cool things that they're doing. So yeah, I'm still a judge yes. there, which is really cool. It's the highlight of my year because you kind of get a sneak peek at all these mm, cool companies and what they're doing. And it's kind of, it's really humbling. Um, it's like, whoa, you're doing what? That's amazing. And the teams and and the diversity is changing, Yeah, um, which is really cool. And then you get to go along to the awards and that just gets bigger every year. It's like yeah. thousands and thousands, literally thousands, a thousand people in whoa. a room celebrating the tech sector of New Zealand. How amazing to see it come that far Yeah, it's from pretty, when you first entered. That's pretty cool. That's super cool. How did your move to Whangaroa Raglan and starting the Institute of Awesome come about? I remember, I think the headline that New Zealand Herald had at the time was, we bought a zoo. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like a, if you've seen the movie, yeah, it was kind yeah. of like we bought a zoo moment. Oh, where do I start? So... We'd been running the charity for a number of years and we've been coming here over the summers. I've mm. been always coming here ever since I was a, a little kid. And we decided that we wanted to be more involved as in this community because we've been working with communities all across the Waikato and all around mm. New Zealand. Um, but we hadn't really done anything in, in Raglan. So we, we started thinking, oh, maybe we could find a space where we could run some of our tinkering workshops or something with, for the kids. And then we met... Charlie and Erin. Yes. Raglan Local. classic locals. Yes. And, you know, Charlie was helping us out, sort of connecting us with people. And then I think some time passed and, and, and sort of nothing really happened. And then we just on a whim came down for a long weekend. We were hanging out and we were just about to leave town. And I remember texting Charlie saying, hey, we're just on our way through town. We're we going to head back to Auckland. Be cool to catch up. And he was like, oh, you need to come out and look at the lodge out in uh, Well Bay. And so he was the insider. He was. He and and I was like, "What lodge?" And he was like, "Kariwai Lodge. That's mm. where we run the surf school from." And I was like, "Oh, okay. We're not really looking for a well, lodge in the market for a lodge <laughs> <laughs> right now." We're kind of in our head settled on just a little bit of land we could stick a caravan on. Right. <laughs> that that yes. would be our foothold into the community, and then we'd expand from there. But anyway, we went out, and uh, you know, anybody who's been out to Kariwai Lodge. Our first look, and I was like, oh, my God, this is such a special place. Mm, it's gorgeous. And then we um, heard about the story about the trust, the Huntley Trust that set up the lodge back in the 70s and that, you know, they wanted to move their focus back to Huntley and set up a new outdoor education centre in Huntley. So mm. they were looking to sell the lodge and they didn't, you know, want the lodge to really go on the market at all because it was such a, an important place. They mm. wanted to make, find the right people. We were instantly sold on the idea. And then we kind of felt like we had to really pitch for to them. To them yeah. as to why why we should be kind of the new kaitiaki for mm. the place. And so we wrote this 
huge big. <laughs> this big application, I guess. To, so like with what we thought was important to retain and yeah. it's, you know, what our vision was their vision, which was to take it back to being a place of education and outdoor education centre, mm. you know, in the bush, on the side of Karioi, overlooking the Tasman Sea. And mm. it's such a, you know, it's one of these places where it's just got this amazing energy. Yes. And so, yeah, we wanted to take it back to, you know, making it the focus on back to kids learning their place in the natural environment. Mm. We wanted to add the layer of science and technology into yes. that. So that technology is going to be such an important part of everybody's future. And it's not like one or the other. It's like, well, how do we protect our natural environment? And actually, how do we use science and technology to do that? Mm. And so that was the idea. And we called it the Institute of Awesome. Great name. Yeah. And uh, we kind of rebooted it as a school camp. So we bring between 40 and 60 kids at a time and they come and stay with us for three days and we teach them. They, They still have the outdoor experience, you know, going Surfing and yeah, hiking and hiking through the bush, but we add these workshops where they're actually part of its self-discovery because that's that's one of the big things about outdoor education is like everybody can remember their first school camp they went on and it's going whoa what's going on here and you sort of a bit of self-discovery being away from home but so also exciting. learning things and yeah having that exposure into the natural environment, which for a, a lot of kids, is they, they just don't get anymore. No, like, it's true. A lot of kids won't leave their suburbs. Yeah. And so that was, oh my goodness, five years ago. And then since then we've had a global pandemic. Yeah. A cyclone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's been a lot happening. <laughs> throw it, throw it in, into the mix. But it's been one of these projects, which is, I think one of the mistakes we made initially is like we came in with with all these great ideas, yeah, and we really wanted to move really fast. But mm. the thing is, you 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 need to bring everybody along with you, yeah. And community moves slowly, yeah. And so we've we've intentionally taken a few steps, not backwards, but sort of sideways, just yeah. slowing things down to engage with the community. Which, to be honest, is something that we haven't done a very good job of since. A pandemic and a cyclone. It's pretty hard, yeah. There's so much going on. And Raglan almost shut down for quite a while there. I mean, there's no yeah. tourism, nothing happening, everything closed, Soulscape closed. You guys couldn't take any groups through. Yeah, I think we sort of announced to the world the reopening of the camp and then in 2020, February, March, then suddenly we had to cancel all of our plans. And Yeah. Basically that was three years because mm, schools, schools weren't really keen on no. going, going to school camps Mm-mm. but now it's they're coming back in droves and it's really exciting and we're, yeah. we're really really excited about this year that maybe this Ooh. is the year that things are actually going to take off there nice and it's a long game right you know you're there for the long term so exactly yeah i mean our plans are still we're still ex- really excited about our plans and yeah but yeah it's just one step at a time you can't rush schools back no they will come back when they're ready <laughs> when to they're come ready. back <laughs> And it's been a blessing in a way because we've spent the last three years slowly editing the lodge. Yeah, so you can get everything all nice, get it how you want it. Yep, putting new roofs on, um, putting in solar. Yes. The list gets longer, it never gets shorter. Yeah, And it's keep seeing things. Sometimes you just have to stop and actually look back on the things that you've actually done. It's like, well, actually, we've done a lot. And the fact that the list is longer just means we've found so much more more potential. Yeah, of stuff that we could be doing. <laughs> yep. That's what happens when your ideas, people. 
I think it's really lovely how you and Zoe share that same vision of supporting young people, getting them into tech and innovation. Uh, How is it working together? What are your different strengths? How do you kind of complement each other? Oh, I don't know how to answer that question. We just do. (laughs) You just do. Well, that's an easy answer. (laughs) haven't really thought about it. I mean, we're quite different people. Right. Well, that's always good. So I guess we complement each other. We probably frustrate each other a lot. Yeah. But I think the thing is because it's both our dream. Yeah. You want the same thing. Yeah. We're happiest when we're working together down at the lodge, at, Mm. at the camp. Because, you know, I think that's what makes it work. Yes. Yeah. It's a lovely environment there. I mean, it is a very special spot. It is, uh, yeah. Like for an office, you can't really beat that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what are you most excited about at the moment? What what project or idea is taking up the most brain space? Well, literally getting the camps running this year. We're super excited again after, you know, three years of false starts. We was literally up there today. I'm all sweaty, literally clearing out the secret lab and sorting through. The secret through. lab? Oh, yeah. What we, happens we, in the secret I lab? I tell you, it's yeah, we're, we're being lab. recorded. <laughs> it's written on, it's not actually written on the building, honey. That's another job. Put sign up. <laughs> <laughs> Put up sign to secret lab, <laughs> yeah. but make it small. Yeah, so and hide it behind know. a bush so nobody can see it. Um, that's essentially a big maker space and an innovation space. That oh, we, it's, it's literally an old barn that... Yeah. Um, we've converted into be the secret lab and mm. it's full of screwdrivers and soldering equipment and 3D awesome. printers and all sorts. It's a place for kids to imagine how they can invent things that are going to change the world. It sounds um, like the place you as a kid would have wanted to hang out, right? Exactly. You're basically just building <laughs> that <laughs> might be child why, dream. Exactly. It <laughs> might be why I'm in there all the time because I've always wanted to have an inventor's shed and that's, one of the most rewarding things is bringing kids into the other space. And it's like, we present them with a problem, which is like, Hey, have you noticed all the birds are disappearing? And say, like, what's, what's up with that? What's happening? And then, you know, we, we give them a problem and ask for their help to solve mm. the problem. And so with the birds, you know, we're, they figure out that it's pests that are the problem and how yes. do we get rid of the rats and possums and stoats. Mm. And then they come up with ideas as to how they could do that. And then yeah. we, we help them with a bit of science and technology um, to make a better rat trap or whatever whatever yep. the, the angle is that they want to take to, to solving the problem. And it's so much fun, like getting kids in a, in a space with cardboard and pens and it usually starts with the prototyping on paper and cardboard, yep. but then very quickly it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's make, build something. Let's mil- yeah, let's yeah. build this. Let's, let's do it. And, cool. you know, re- using upcycled bits and pieces to build whatever it is that they want to build. And because, like, I don't know when it happens when you're a kid, anything's possible. It's like, oh, yeah, I can, I'm going to take apart this thing and I'm going to build this thing and it's Mm going to be amazing. And it's like, there's no reason why you couldn't. Yeah. And as we get older, like, we learn what I guess we think are practical reasons as to why you couldn't do it. It's like, wow. It's going to take time and money, and it's going to you know, yeah, I'll make mistakes. It sounds hard. And I have to yeah. redo it, yeah. and then yeah. But we're trying to foster that so kids don't lose that spark. Yeah. It's like actually, that's the secret to entrepreneurialism. Is you, you, I guess it's you don't that, know how you're going to do it, but you're like, I'm going to figure it out. It's like preserving that naivety. It's like, well, I don't know, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I think that's amazing that you're creating a space for that. Kids will love the secret lab. Talk to me about AI. 
So you seem like someone who would be following all the developments in that space quite closely. I could be wrong, but (laughs) what excites you or makes you nervous about it? I probably should have a stronger opinion on AI. Like I probably sit on the fence, Mm. like all the stuff about chat GPT and things at the moment. There's kind of like the marketing hype about AI. Yes. I think that's just hype. Ultimately, AI is a thing. It's a technology that's getting better and better and better. But have you tried letting your Tesla drive itself lately? Mm. Doesn't work. Not happening. It's not happening. So there's the promise. The promise is there. Yeah. Um, you know, AI is not quite replacing people's jobs yet. It's making a lot of people's jobs easier, mm. for sure. Like I equate it to, you know, the word processor mm. or the electronic typewriter. It's just another tool that makes things a lot quicker. Yeah. Like you look at stuff that AI, and AI is not perfect and it won't be perfect for a very, very long time. It still requires the essence of humanity to for it to work mm. it's you've got to feed it with information mm-hmm. where does that information come from you've got to you know, train it you, and then you've actually got to like ai has no initiative it's not going to go and solve problems no it has to be asked it has to be asked and even then it's only going to analyze a truck ton of data and give you what seems to be the most common pattern in the data it's not really going to unlock any amazing insights it's the human interpreting what the ai gives it is going to unlock the insights so that's kind of where we are now Mm -hmm. absolutely it's going to change and ai is going to get smarter and smarter and smarter so people ask me a lot kids ask me a lot about ai yes at the moment i think it looks like a fun tool let's play with it and see See what it can do do. but Mm. i wouldn't fear it Mm -hmm. but there's lots of ethical stuff around ai that, that we need to be thinking about you know, a lot of the technology is being developed by what I would describe as a homogenous culture, you know, sort of like the Silicon Valley cultures of, you know, that's not representative of us mm. as people. And we need to think about our sovereignty of our information, yes. and our tikanga and things that we think we know are important. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about just some AI coming on, storming through and just taking our culture and our our, our information and and then doing with it what it what it wants. What it wills. Yeah. yeah. So there's all these interesting things. Net net, I think it's great for humanity. Um, yeah. But we need to make sure that we're in charge of it and not, yeah. uh, not the other way around. I agree. <laughs> I think that's a great answer. Bit of a, a change of topic here, but tell me about a real person, your mum, <laughs> yeah. Pam. Uh, I know she's been a source of inspiration behind the charitable trust that you and Zoe run. What was she like? What was she like as a person? Well, she was my mum. So yeah. she was special lady. Yeah. She was the most incredible person. But also at the same time, she was just mum. Yeah, yeah. She was just always there. Yeah. My mum has always been the inspiration behind most of the weird endeavors that I do. And that goes back, like the story I used to tell about my mum 10 years ago when we first started the charity, because we founded the charity in her name, was because when I was a kid, when I was 10, she brought home a personal computer. Oh. And this is you know, back in the 80s and yeah. personal computers weren't. Not common. They're not a thing. They were more of a toy. But she had a hunch that it might be a device that would become useful in the future. And, mm-hmm. and if, if we had access to it, then maybe we could do stuff with it. And so that was kind of a big unlock for me and, and my, my two brothers. Yeah. We've all had successful careers in, in IT and technology. But now if I was to tell the story, mm. it was how mum just 
stood by us in, in any endeavor, anything that we wanted to do as kids and just all of our hopes, hopes and dreams. It just so happened that at that time it was about technology and personal computers being a thing that we were interested in. Mm-hmm. So she, she unlocked those doors for us. And that was, you know, I started my first business when I was 16 and wow. mum went to, with me to the bank. And so we took out a bank loan to buy some equipment for the business. And, you know, she was just a very positive, go forward person. My mum passed away the year after I founded Vend. Oh, the year after. Oh, yeah. wow. So she didn't get to see the whole roller coaster ride. That was going to be. No, which is probably a good thing because she yeah. would have seen how <laughs> stressed out I was about the whole thing. But that was something like I'd had a lot of unsuccessful ventures in my time. And I was hoping that Vend would be the one that would be the success that mum could see how the gestures that she made and the support that she gave me as I grew up was so important. And so we founded the charity in her name to try and replicate that same gesture. Yeah. And that's been a big evolution for us at the charitable trust as well. You know, 10 years ago, it was about, we thought, or I thought it was about getting kids access to technology like I had. Yes. Now, the technology is not the important bit. It's how do you foster the energy and the creativity. Right. Behind actually using the technology. Exactly. And mm. is it doing the right thing? And the technology will always change. Yeah. Like we're talking about AI now. In a few years, it will be something else. So it's more important the the problem solving, the innovation, yeah, the safety. The intent. Mm. Yeah. And, and feeling like you can do it. Yeah. Like you have an idea and you're going to go change the world. And yes, yeah. absolutely, you can change the world. But stepping through, like, how would you how would you prove your thing? How would you make it a reality? Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of the new focus for the Charitable Trust. And I hope mum looks down and thinks that it's all very worthwhile stuff that we're doing. Oh, she would for sure. I, I think so. I think so. She'd be stoked. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that story. So you're a busy guy. We sort of talked about all these different things you've got going on. What's something you do for fun, just to give yourself a boost? I mean, you talked about the impossible challenges. I don't know if you're still doing those, but what's kind of the fun thing at the moment? Um, I'm trying to bring, after doing the impossible challenges for 10 years, I had a bit of a break, had a bit of a few health issues, and so sort of was put on forced rests, so to speak. But one of the things that I'm really interested in is diving. Oh, yes, you are yeah. talking about this before, diving. Yeah, mm. this is kind of Zoe and my fun escape as well. At least once a year we'll book a, a nice trip somewhere interesting we've never been before and, and then go 20 metres under the ocean. Wow, and, have and a, look at and stuff. And have a look, look at stuff and <laughs> hopefully, hopefully there's there. cool stuff there. Um, so that, but without sounding like a broken record, it's fun doing stuff up at the Institute of Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's just the best place. It is. It's, <laughs> it's got secret labs. It's got all this yeah. gear. <laughs> yeah. There's always so much stuff to do there. And it's just so fulfilling. It beats sitting behind a desk. Totally. Mm. Oh, you've done plenty of sitting behind desks, right? I mean, you would have done a lot of laptop time. So this is, yeah, yep. something a bit different. Something that I've found that's changed for me over the last couple of years is mm. I keep losing my phone. Ah, Interesting. And like it doesn't bother me. It's like, like oh, okay, well, fine. It's around, it's around here somewhere. <laughs> nice. And my laptop sits in its laptop bag. Yep. You're having like a, a device break without even really trying. Yeah, it's 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 kind of nice. But instead, you know, replacing the phone and the laptop with a drill and a yeah and a laser cutter. Yeah, get crafty. Yeah, I like it. 
What about something you're reading or watching or listening to at the moment that you might like to recommend to others? I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, great. I do a lot of driving between Auckland and Raglan, so I do yes. I can usually get three or four podcasts, mm-hmm. and I'm reading. Oh, what is it called? It's the French art of not trying too hard. Oh, okay. The French art of not trying too hard. Yeah, and it sounds like a funny book, but the philosophy behind it is: if you become so good at something, you make it look effortless, mm. and of course, the French make it look like arrogance. <laughs> Like a but actually, they've got it. They've actually got it sussed. It's like whatever it is they're doing, and they're, they're just so good at it. it. It's almost like trivial or effortless. Hmm. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Hmm. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. So and anyway, it just I'm makes so, it seem more possible. Yeah, I'm just sort of working through that, and then watching. We try and find like really trashy, <laughs> <laughs> just total TV brain shows. rest. <laughs> Currently, it's we're under season two of Reacher. And it's Is that ter- that Jack Reacher yeah, it's, shooty, shooty yeah, guy, it's car terrible. guy? I don't it's, know much about it. <laughs> it's terrible, but it's also, you know, just for like brain vegging. It's yeah, it's just like, learning out. I don't know if it's entertaining. I tend to fall asleep through most episodes. Right. Well, maybe that's its purpose. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. to get them sleep. Yeah. I'm also wondering what would be the best way that folks can just engage with the Institute of Awesome and what you guys are up to? Is there something they can check out or can they come visit or, or how do we see Ab- what you're doing up there? Absolutely. People can just rock up anytime. Well, having said that. <laughs> well, uh, they might not, yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> Hold back, people. <laughs> we, we do have school camps and, and, you know, child safety up there is quite an important thing for us. Um, yes. But, you know, there's always somebody up at the camp and in the office and if people want to come up and sort of find out what we're doing in the secret lab and things. Yeah, we're more than welcome to come up and, and, and have a chat. It's been a lot of hard mahi for us over the last few years. Yeah. And we're really hopeful that this is the year that we can start to get the word out to schools yeah. and that they're open to coming to camp. So that's the thing being the big focus for us this year is how do we get the word out? Mm. Um, we're now starting to look at what sort of – uh, workshops that we can do with kids up at the camp yes. and we really want to c- connect with the community like if you know because that's the thing that we love about Raglan it's like there's so many interesting people working on oh, really interesting projects yeah a lot of it literally just hiding in the woodwork mm-hmm. and so we really want to engage with, with interesting people yeah. like, who who want to come out and maybe share their thing what, mm. the, what, what their thing is with a group of kids and maybe help us build a workshop Yes. Kind of teaching some of the things, some of their skills to 60 kids. How would you share your wisdom with mm-hmm. with 60 kids? So we want to be doing more of that. And then yeah, over the summer we've made that we made the lodge available to families to book over the summer holidays. Oh, yeah. And so we'll probably be doing more of that in the mm-hmm. school holidays. Just as an alternative for families to come and a, yeah. a cool place for them. It's family friendly. Yes. We get a lot of big family groups who come out to the lodge as well for that reason. Yeah. So, yeah, the short answer is we just need your help getting the word out there about the stuff that we're doing out at the lodge. And there's a website, right? So people can. Yeah. I'll, I'll put a link in there as well so people can check that out. And you're probably on all the usual social things. Yeah, we're trying to. We call it an awe for short, the Institute oh, yes. of Awesome. In awe. So in awe.co.nz. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Nice. 
Ah, oh, well, thanks heaps for coming in today, Vaughn. I think it's amazing having people like you and Zoe choosing to invest here in the local community and do all these cool initiatives. It's such a great asset for the town. Yeah, and just really appreciate how you're sharing your skills and passions with the next generation. I think it is truly awesome. Wow, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Vibe Lifter podcast. We hope that tuning into this interview has lifted your vibe. Check out raglanfoodco.com to learn more about the people and projects we're stoked to be supporting. A body's a true hobby, the one to shake the sun and down down. I follow through with the dish that you play.